yesterday technically closed out our 21 days of prayer. And I hope you had a great season of prayer for 21 days of prayer. I hope God spoke to you, that he moved in your heart and in your life. I hope that this series has been helpful to you and that you've been able to learn how to how to hear from God better in this series. And we're going to close that out today. Today's our last day of having a response time after service. We'll shift back to our normal order of service next week. And if you've never been here for that, just come check it out. You'll love it. It's going to be great. And uh, next week we start a brand new series, which is a nine-week walk through the Sermon on the Mount uh, called the Beatitudes. I'm really, I'm very excited about it. Cancel your Labor Day weekend plans and come to church. You're going to love it. And so uh, that's next week. Let me pray for us and we'll get into the message today. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much, God, for how good you are. Uh, Lord, we just, we just believe that your faithfulness is great yesterday and today and tomorrow, that it never changes, that you care for us in every season, in the good ones and the hard ones. God, that you're there for us when it's easy, Lord. You're there for us when we don't know if we can keep going on. That is who we worship. And we declare it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Oh, got it. All right, well, today we are wrapping up our series called Hearing God. And uh, I hope that as you've gone through 21 days of prayer, that you've stuck with it and that you've really gotten up every day and found a space to, play, to pray, that you have made a ritual out of it, that you've started a, a habit and a routine, because now that we're over the 21 days of prayer, you get to start the next 365 days of prayer. My, my hope for you is that you've started a habit in these three weeks uh, that you can carry on and that you can really start to develop a prayer life that is easy and relational and genuine and that you're able to communicate with God in a way that builds intimacy and trust in your relationship with him. I hope that it, it keeps on going. If those prayer prompts have been crucial for you uh, in 21 days of prayer in helping you pray every day, uh, we have a resource that can help you carry on. It's called the Pray First app. Uh, that's put out by our network of churches and it's free and there's no ads. You just download it. It's called the Pray First app and there are all kinds of prayer prompts and prayer templates and prayers for you to pray within that resource to help you keep going. Well, we've been talking about uh, how we hear from God and uh, because we believe that hearing from God is an essential part of the Christian life. But we also feel that hearing from God can be one of the most mysterious parts of the Christian life. It's difficult to know how do we hear from God? How do we receive a word from Him? How do we know what He wants us to do? What decisions He wants us to make? And today, as we wrap up this series, I want to answer the question for us that we, many of us ask our whole lives long, and that is, how do I hear from God about what He wants Wants me to do with my life? How do I hear from God about the meaning of life? How do I hear from God about the purpose that he has in mind for me? Do I have a purpose? Because I've spent all of my life believing I did, searching for it, trying to understand it. You were born with a gap inside your soul that can only be filled by a relationship with God and the purpose he has in store for you. And so today, very simply and very easily, I just want to hand you the meaning of life. I think it's going to be a great time for everybody. We should take about 25 minutes. <laughs> Honestly, leading you to discover your purpose really is a key part of the overarching vision for this church. If you come to step one, I'll walk you through the whole thing. But 
At the gathering, we aim to lead people to know God, which means we really, we don't want you to know about him. We don't want you to, to just believe in him and believe that he's there. We want you to know him. And I believe that his desire is to know you, that he wants to know you and to be known by you in an intimate way. We want to lead you to know God. We want to lead you to find freedom, to find freedom from all the things that hold you back from what he has in store for you in this life. We want you to discover your purpose, to really discover, to understand it, to live in it, to thrive in it, and then to make a difference in that purpose alongside the church. And so this right here is an anchor message for who we are as a church. This is part of our DNA that I'm going to share with you today. And one of the things that we want to spend the next undetermined period of time helping you walk through. So let's get started in it today. First things first, you want to know what God's plan is for your life. There are three prerequisites. There are three prerequisites. There's three things you're going to have to do first. In order to hear from God on what he wants you to do with your life so that you can discover your purpose. There are no prerequisites, nailed it that time, in entering into a relationship with Jesus. I need you to hear me say this. Because I'm going to tell you that to, to know your why, there are. There are things you've got to settle first. There's things you've got to sort out before you get to it. That's okay. That's part of the journey we call life, you guys. Prince said it first. And we, we want to be able to lead you through those things and walk alongside you in those things. But you have got to understand and hear me say it, that to enter into a relationship with Jesus, there is nothing you have to do first. There are no prerequisites. There are no qualifiers. You don't have to stop doing this or start doing that. You don't have to get this thing right and, and stop doing that thing that's wrong. You don't have, there's nothing. He's done all the work. All you have to do is say yes to entering into a relationship with him. He's given you the gift of eternal life. He's ha handed it to you. He's held it out. All you have to do is reach up and take it. But there is a journey that takes place after that moment. Just like when I said yes and I do to my wife at our wedding, that wasn't the end of the journey, was it? That was only the very beginning. And we were married after that, but there was a whole lot of work to be done still. We're completely perfect now, but <laughs> the first 12 years required a little bit of work. And so, I want to tell you what these prerequisites are because I really do want you to discover your purpose. So the first one is this. You've, you're going to have to know yourself. You're going to have to know yourself. Socrates would say, know thyself. Actually, I don't think he spoke English, but that's how I always heard it. It was a part of his key philosophy, know thyself, know yourself. And if you are going to be able to hear from God about your purpose, you're going to have to know you. Uh, I'll explain why. God made you. You were created. You're not an accident. You didn't happen by chance. You are made by design. Who you are and what makes you was carefully thought and planned. There are other factors to be sure. Life, trauma, conditioning, all these things feed into things that make you who you are, but the core of who you are, what brings, uh, what brings you joy, what brings you fear, the things that you love doing, the things that you're hesitant toward, the things that make you you, what life brings out of you, the way that you respond and grow through life, all the things that you're passionate about, the things that you love, the things that make you feel alive, all those things are part 
of your design. And it's possible for these things to get warped into another form or to be shifted from passions to idols. And all of that is uh, things that you got to sort through as you grow as a person and a follower of Jesus. But the bottom line is that you are created the way that you are created because God has a dream in mind for you. Ephesians 2.10 is one of our anchor verses as a church. It says, you are God's handiwork. And that word handiwork, it could be translated a number of different ways. My favorite way is masterpiece. For you are God's masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus uh, to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, he has a dream in mind for you. You are his special work that he has crafted with a job in mind. And you could translate that word handiwork to masterpiece and you understand exactly how God thinks of you and what he sees in you. And so in order to know your purpose, you need to know things about yourself that are relevant to your design. David said in Psalm 139, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. And I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, which I know full well. I want you to know it full well. Take some time to understand the way that God made you and who he's designed you to be. Take inventory. Sort out the good in your passions from the things that you might have shaped it into. Meaning, if you've made idols out of some of the things that God designed in you, we got to figure that out. Maybe uh, you've made idols out of pleasing people. Maybe there's a design that God gave you in your heart to serve others and see people experience happiness, even at loss to yourself. That's a good thing. That's a gift. But you've got to learn how to shift your understanding of it before you burn yourself out worrying about the opinions of others. It's all part of the process. We want to help you learn to know who you are. Learn what makes you you. The prerequisite, number one, to discovering your purpose. The second one is this. You've got to find freedom. Those four things that we talk about, know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference, they go in order. And we've got, to, we've got to find freedom. We've got to find freedom before we can discover our purpose. For the reason that I just said, we, we, we go through life, and life messes us up a little bit. It's a broken world out there. All these things get inside of you that are good. Uh, they get made Bad. They get twisted up and distorted inside your heart. A heart to serve becomes a people-pleasing anxiety. A will to lead can turn into mindful manipulation of others. The ability to create can become obsession over the next thing and a constant dissatisfaction with the current thing. Good things about who you are get twisted up because of the broken world that we live in. And so what do we do? What do we do? How do we get free? Well, it requires work. Hard work to find freedom. The first step is learning what you need freedom from. Some of that will be revealed by scripture and prayer. Some of it is conviction of the Holy Spirit. Some of it will be revealed by real relationships with the people of God. James says, confess your sins one to another and you will be healed. I believe there is actual, genuine healing that comes in community relationships when we begin to admit through vulnerability 
the things that we're struggling with. The, the cultural Christianity for a long time has made it a world where we want to keep a mask on and we want to hide who we are from people. We want, to, we want to make people think we've got it more together than we do because we're Christians and we shouldn't, be, we shouldn't be struggling with these things. But what I believe is that if you're going to find freedom, the only way for you to do so is to take those masks off and have a safe environment to do it in. We don't want you to come in this place and pretend like you're okay. We're not interested in just having a whole bunch of people who are okay all the time because everybody's lying. I don't want a church full of liars. What we are more interested in is giving you an environment and people in your life that you feel comfortable being vulnerable around so that you can confess your sins one to another so that you can experience not just that instant release that comes from getting something that was hidden out in the open, but so that you can experience the actual healing that comes from every conversation that will follow. We want you to be healed from these things. That's why small groups are so important to us and why we, we push on it so hard. And we want you in it so hard because we want someone to walk alongside you as you untangle all your mess. So we want you to get in community and start to find freedom. Sometimes, just to be honest, you might need a little bit of extra help finding freedom, depending on what it is you're wrapped up in. Sometimes you might need to see a real qualified, hopefully Christian counselor. You might need to see somebody who has been professionally trained and licensed to help you process through the ways all the trauma you've been through in your life has hurt you and twisted the good things about you to serve something else. My wife and I have been through marriage counseling for months on end whenever things got difficult in our marriage because it was helpful to have somebody speak into it. I've gone through two years of personal counseling to sort through things that were ancient and things that are new all kinds of things inside of me that I needed help getting untangled and unwound. We believe that is sometimes just a normal part of the process of finding freedom, and it needs to be made normal. And so maybe you need a little extra help. Maybe you struggle with addiction, and you do need a program to help get clean. Maybe, maybe you've got other things going on that it just, just confessing and having somebody walk next to you is not enough to find freedom from it. If that's the case, we want to partner with you in that. We want to help you. We want to give you recommendations. We want to support you and cheer you on as you go through those processes because we believe that finding freedom is one of the most essential things you can do to live a full life. We're with you. We want you to find freedom. Jesus gave his mission statement in Luke chapter 4. He read Isaiah chapter 61 in his hometown. He unrolled the scroll and he stood up in front of people at his home church and he read this passage that was written about him. It serves as his mission statement. And I love it so much. It's one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. And Jesus says this. It says, he sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim freedom for the captives. You need to understand that one of the greatest joys for Jesus is when you find freedom from the things that have held you captive. It's the first thing that he says he came here to do is to put the pieces of your heart back together, to help you live in freedom, to, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God and to comfort all who mourn. He says to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor where there's written into Levitical law 
this incredible thing where uh, every seven years, everybody's debt was wiped clean. And as I just said that, I thought, oh no, bad week to bring that up. And I'm not, <laughs> I'm in a mess now. I've got, I'm not making any political statements here. It's just the Bible. And I'm trying to help you understand this passage. <laughs> help me. <laughs> Martin, come preach. Um, Anyways, it's this, it's this idea that Jesus is trying to help people understand that he came so that all the things that you have been tangled up in all of your life could be canceled, so that he could help you be free. It's a part of his mission statement. It says that he came to provide for those who grieve in Zion and to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness and a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And then they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated and renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. I need you to understand that what Jesus is describing here is how the church works. He doesn't expect you to have it all together. He expects you to be broken hearted and held captive. And he comes to set you free and to put the pieces back together, to change your mourning into joy, to give you a crown of beauty instead of ashes. And it says once he started to do that, and these people are starting to find freedom and live in a way that is whole. It says they'll be called oaks of righteousness, a firm planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. The more freedom you get, the more it gives glory to God because the more people can look at you and say, wow, they were there and now they're there. What happened in between? And the answer is God happened in between. And then it says they, meaning the people who were mourning, the people who were brokenhearted, the people who were held captive, they who have now been made oaks of righteousness for this display of the splendor of the Lord will help rebuild the ancient cities. Are you following what Jesus is saying here? It means that once you have found freedom, you are now in the work of rebuilding the ancient cities long devastated. It means you have been rebuilt. Now you get to go and find the ones who need rebuilding. It means you were broken down and now you need to go and find the people who are broken down. To walk along sight of them to help them experience what you have experienced. Church, I'm just telling you right now, if you have been put back together by the Lord your God, if you have found freedom, but you have not engaged in the work yet of helping somebody else find freedom, then you have not done the work of Jesus yet, and there is more for you in this life. This is the plan. The plan is that people who were devastated for generations could be made whole again. And he uses us to do it. And that's how it works. So prerequisite number two, if you haven't found freedom, you can't hear from God about your purpose until you've let him, let him do the work of putting you back together. Number three, the final prerequisite to discovering your purpose, and then we'll start the sermon. <laughs> the Holy Spirit. This is good news. Finding freedom is hard work. Understanding the meaning of life is, is, a, is hard work. You don't have to do any of it alone. It's a gift to have your brothers and sisters in Christ help you, but it's also not enough. You don't have to do it with just them either. You get to have the power of the living God inside of you revealing his mysteries to you. 
Your purpose is a combination of the gifts you were born with and the gifts you were born again with. And born again is some of that fun Christian language that we use, and sometimes we don't know what that means, but it's actually language coined by Jesus. In John chapter three, he's explaining that when we follow him, the Holy Spirit makes us into a new creation and really changes who we are as he dwells within us. And he takes the gifts that God designed you with from the beginning, uh, gifts that connect with who you are, gifts that make you happy, that, that light you up inside, uh, and he connects them to gifts that come from the Holy Spirit. And these are gifts that the Holy Spirit always intended with you. They always go together. They always complement your natural gifts and your spiritual gifts. They complement one another because God knew what he was doing when he built you. And once these things start to come together, the gaps in your soul start to get filled. Paul talks about the different gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Starting in verse 4, it says, Now there's a variety of gifts, but they all come from the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Paul says all of this to reiterate that the power of the Holy Spirit works through us as individuals, but we were made to use our gifts alongside one another. I'm going to have different spiritual gifts, different natural gifts than you do, but we are designed in such a way that our common purpose in life can align to accomplish God's purpose for this world. My gifts are not better than yours. We are just different parts of the same body. While all of us are going to have different expressions of our purpose, we all have the same purpose. Discovering your purpose is not about finding a different meaning of life than the person next to you. It does not work that way. It's simpler. We've all got the same purpose. Our purpose is to glorify God and serve others. To glorify God and serve others. And when you serve others, you glorify God. So I could simplify it for you. Your purpose in this life is to glorify the one who made you. It's written all over scripture. It's written all over creation. But every single one of us was made to do it in a different way, and it all works best when we do it together. Paul goes on, he says, For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. And to another, prophecy. To the another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. We call that discernment. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. You have got some of these gifts. And others of these gifts are waiting for you, uh, are waiting for you to unlock by the power of the Holy Spirit within you. It's all part of the incredible journey we start on when we say yes to following Jesus. And it's all part of the journey to discovering the purpose that God made you with. And so the prerequisites to discovering your purpose are these three things. Know yourself, find freedom, and be filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Once you've got those things sorted, you're ready to hear from God about exactly what it is he's got prepared for you. I feel like I should let you know that finding freedom is a lifelong journey. There's just some things we're going to have to unlock first before we go into the rest of this. But once you're in that part process, you're ready to hear from God about what he has prepared from you. And here's how you hear from him. This is going to be a shock to you. I think I've used these same three points this entire series. Number one, read the Bible. You're going to find your purpose in the pages of Scripture. God put this beautiful, incredible, wonderful book together for you, for you, so that you could know him, so that you could understand this world, and so that you could know your place in it. It's all right there. I am in love with the pages of Scripture. You've got to understand, this book is powerful. And within it, uh, untold mysteries are revealed. His world will reveal parts of your purpose to you, his word. Like we talked about last week, I read five different verses where Jesus calls you to follow him. That's part of your purpose in this life, written down right there in the red letters. You were made to follow Jesus because following Jesus is learning to be holy and set apart and in relationship with God, which is what God calls us to beginning back in the Genesis story. It's all over the pages of Scripture. The passage we just read in 1 Corinthians reveals part of your purpose. You were made to be part of the body of Christ. For just as the body, this is, for, this is the same, but down in, same passage, but down in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. You were made to drink of this one spirit as the part of a body. That means that part of your purpose is to find your place in the local church and to work together alongside the rest of us to make a difference here in this city and in every area that we have influence. Scripture reveals part of your purpose in Isaiah 61, what we just read. You were made to help rebuild ancient cities long devastated, to break generational cycles, to find people who are suffering in the way that you once suffered and help them find peace. It's part of your purpose. And it's right here in the pages of Scripture. You were made to find someone who feels like all they have left in life is a pile of rubble and help them realize, realize that they too are a masterpiece and that they're going to be restored again. Jesus tells you your purpose in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, so go therefore and make disciples of all the nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're two weeks away from having baptisms here at the Gathering Church. And I feel like I should tell you right now that if you have entered into a relationship with Jesus and you haven't been baptized yet, it's the next step for you. It's an act of obedience. What Jesus did is he started his ministry and entered into his work alongside the Father. He was baptized and he's called us to the same thing. He says, this is part of our purpose to go out and make disciples, teach people about him, teach him his ways, teach him how to live, like, live the way that he lived and 
baptize them. And so baptism signups are going to be up real shortly here. And in the next couple of weeks, we'll be doing them. And so sign up to get baptized. It doesn't matter if you've been a Christian for a long time and never got baptized. Or maybe in the last few weeks, you've given your life to Jesus and you're ready to go public with your faith. Whether or not, whichever it is, if that's you, sign up to be baptized. That's called the Great Commission, and that's part of your purpose. In the pages of Scripture, you will find all you need to know to live a full life. The Bible reveals your purpose. Study it, read it, pick a plan, and read it every day. Study His Word, and you will know more and more what God has in mind for you. The second way that you can discover your purpose is in prayer. In prayer. It's 21 days of prayer. This is part of why we do it, to seek what God wants from us, to ask him, to try to understand it. I've tried to emphasize this whole series that the starting point to hearing from God is to communicate with him in the first place. So many times I'll, I'll have a meeting or I'll be talking to somebody and they'll be asking me questions like, hey, how do I know what God wants me to do about this situation or, or that situation or how do I make this decision or what does God really want from me? And I'll ask him, I was like, well, what are you praying about right now? Tell me like the words that you're using and how you're praying about it. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm praying about it. Well, t- tell me about that. Tell me how you're, I'm not really, I don't know. I don't know how to pray. And I think that's so often where we struggle is we, we don't know the questions to ask or where to start in prayer. And I think that the, the point is to just start. Use the resources that we've given you, throw on some worship music and start communicating with God because communicating with him on a regular basis is part of how you enter into this process of hearing from him. And as you pray, and as you have a prayer life that is consistent and ritual and a part of your life, a daily part of your life, you will start to feel more and more at ease in that prayer time, and you will start to feel more and more the power of the Holy Spirit working inside of you during that prayer time. It will make it clearer to you where he's moving you in scripture towards your purpose or, or what it is he wants you to do with the gifts that he's given you. All those things will start to become more and more clear for you. If you want to know what God has planned for you, ask him. The book of Nehemiah is an autobiography uh, of a man who lived around 500 years before Jesus. He was born and raised in the nation of Babylon. Babylon was conquered by the Persian Empire and it fell. And and then Nehemiah worked for the Persian government. He was a cupbearer to the king. He had a job. He had a life. But everything that he had, it never felt like it was quite enough. He always felt like there was more for him, like God had something else in mind for him. Nehemiah was Jewish. And so in his heart, Jerusalem was his home, even though he had never seen it. One day, some of his friends went to visit Jerusalem, and they told him about it when they came back. The city was in ruins. Seventy years before, when the people of Israel were exiled, uh, a conquering king came in and tore down the walls and tore down the temple itself. And so the city stayed in ruins for decades. His friends tell him about it, and this is how Nehemiah responds. They give their report in verse 3. They said, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down, Its gates have been destroyed by fire. Verse 4, Nehemiah says, As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept, and I mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Something inside of him said, This matters to me. Why does it matter to me? And to understand it more, 
He fasted and prayed. Fasting and prayer is a powerful tool in seeking God. When you fast, you're telling your body no to its physical needs so that you can focus entirely on spiritual needs. It teaches you discipline over your flesh. It helps you focus on the desperation of your prayers. And so Nehemiah is feeling a stirring of God about what he should do, and he's fasting and he's praying over it. Verse 5, it says, I said, O Lord, God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant that I now pray before you day and night for the people of Israel, your servants, confessing the sins of the people of Israel, which we have sinned against you. Even I and my father's house have sinned. We've acted very corruptly against you and not kept the commandments or the statutes and the rules that you commanded to your servant Moses. Nehemiah is talking about his and his people's journey to finding freedom. He's confessing right now in his prayers. He seeks God's will for his life. He's working on finding freedom. He's confessing his sin. And now he's going to focus on the future. Verse 8, remember the word that you commanded your servant Moses. You said, if you are unfaithful... I will scatter you among the peoples. But if you return to me, if you return to me and keep my commandments and do them, although your outcasts are in the uttermost parts of heaven, from there I will gather them and bring them to the place that I have chosen and make my name dwell there. Written down in the words of Scripture is a purpose that Nehemiah feels connected to. He's quoting the Bible. This man, Nehemiah, studied Scripture to try and understand his purpose. And what he found in the words of Scripture was that one day God wanted to bring the people of Israel back. Verse 10. They are your servants and your people who you've redeemed by your great power and by your strong hand. O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants and to the prayer of your servants who delight to fear your name and give success to your servant today and grant him mercy in the sight of this man, the king. And so Nehemiah prays, and he studies scripture, and he talks to people. And the wiring in his natural design meets up with the spirit of God inside of him to give him real purpose. The rest of the book is Nehemiah living that purpose out. He returns to Jerusalem. He rebuilds the walls of the temple, uh, which results in the Jewish people ending their 70-year exile. Here's the point. If you want to know God's plan for your life, seek him about it. Pray over it. Go before him and have long, honest prayers. Bring your requests to him. Study his word. Do all the other work. Find freedom. Understand how his Holy Spirit moves inside of you and then meet him in prayer. And then finally, the last way that you discover your purpose is in practice. Sometimes, you got to get out there and do it. You got to figure out what works and what doesn't. You got to learn what works for you and what doesn't. What makes you come alive and what doesn't. Nehemiah had a pretty good idea the second he heard about Jerusalem, what his purpose was in life. He prayed over it. He knew it aligned with scripture. And so then he just went and did it. I mean, he didn't, he didn't, it doesn't say that he spent months, years waiting for God to answer him and say, yes, Nehemiah, and go and do it. You know what I find interesting about the book of Nehemiah? Because in the Old Testament, a lot of times, when you see someone called to something, there's like an angel, or actually God is like, I want you to go and do it. There's like a bush on fire, you know, and the bush starts talking. You're going to listen to that, 
you know? I've told God many times, if you'll light a bush up for me, I'll do anything for you. I'm not saying no to no daggum bush. What's next? A tree? A house? I don't know. I'm going to leave it at the bush. That, that's a little disorienting for us because that kind of stuff doesn't happen for you and me. Not usually. Maybe, I mean, it still can. Our God is the same God. It could. But most of the time it doesn't. What I love about the book of Nehemiah is that there's not a single verse in the whole book that tells you that God answered him and said, yes, Nehemiah, go and rebuild that wall. Yes, Nehemiah. Here's what I, there's no angel showing up one night. He's in the, I, I, I'm picturing kind of like a little stone room that he lived in. And in the castle, there was the cup bearer. So I think it just means that he's really cleaned the cups, you know, kept them looking good, carried one around like Lil Wayne all the time. There's no point where a giant angel shows up in his room and says, Nehemiah, God is calling you to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. It doesn't happen. This is what I love about this book. Because what happens is, Nehemiah sees something that aligns with who he is. He knows he's a builder. He knows he's a leader, that people will follow him. He knows he can do that. And he, he sees something that needs to be done. It, it breaks his heart. He cares about it. He cares about the city of his ancestry, the place where the presence of God once dwelt. He cares about that deeply. And so he prays about it. He confesses his sins. He says, God, I know I'm not perfect. I'm still working on it, but I want to serve you in this way. Would you allow me to? And he's silent in his room. He's saying these prayers. He says he fasts and he prays. Spends days and nights going over it, not years and years. Days and nights. And then he gets up, nods his head, walks into the throne room of the king, and he makes his request. Will you allow me to return to the city of people that once rebelled to you, rebuild the walls and fortify it again, rebuild the temple to the God that you wouldn't let us worship again? Would you let me do that? And the king just answers, says, yeah, absolutely, no problem. I'll give you all the wood you need, take a few men with you, go and do it. And God provides. Nehemiah gets to the city. He just does it. He just goes. He goes there. And he gets to the city and he does a lap around the city before he does anything. He checks it all out. He's not saying, God, give me the plan. Will you tell me exactly step by step what you need me to do? Will you give me the plan to make this work, God? I'll do it the moment you give me step one. That's not what Nehemiah does. Nehemiah goes and he rides his, I don't know, is it a camel or a horse? I'm not really familiar with livestock at that time. And he's riding something around and he gets off. And he says, we're going to start here. And then we're going to rebuild that one. And then we're going to rebuild that one. Gather all the people together. And all the people get together. And he doesn't wait to get tablets to bring to them. Nope. He gathers all the people together. And he says, hey, this place needs to be made whole again. It's a city long devastated. There's ruins here. Will you join me in the work of putting them back together? not just for me, not just for you, but for your children and for your children's children and for the generations that will follow. Will you join me in this work? And they say yes. And they do it. And they do the hard work alongside one another. They just rebuild. Some guys are good with stones. Some guys are good with wood. Some guys are good at, at, at keeping people motivated. They do all these different things together. And it's not without challenges. In fact, it says there's these three dudes that were living nearby. They made it their life's goal to make Nehemiah's purpose difficult for him. 
constantly opposed him, constantly tried to start war with him, came at him. He just kept going. He just kept building. There's one moment where he asked the families of the people building to come and stand in the gaps of the walls. And he tells them to turn around and look at him. And he says, this is why we're doing this work. There's no angels. There's no voices from heaven. There is a man living in his purpose, leading people. He's got a great line where he says, I want you to take a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other hand and let's fight to finish what we started together. Let's do this work together. And it's this incredible story of what God can do through you when you decide to follow the purpose he's made you with. He is not gonna come down from heaven and tell you this is it. A voice is probably not gonna erupt from your closet and say, I want you to go to this place and do this thing. It could happen for you. It still happens. It does. But for the majority of us, we're gonna feel it in our heart. We're gonna know how we're built. We're gonna know ourselves. We're gonna be healthy enough to lead. We're gonna know what our gifts are. And we're gonna see something that we can make a difference in. Something that we can make a change in. Something is gonna show up that we are able to help with. And then we're just gonna do it. We're gonna get up, we're gonna walk out there, and we're gonna do it. We always, in step one, we talk about discovering your purpose. And we tell people, I think it's best for you just to join the dream team and start serving. And I, I don't think that your purpose is to serve people coffee. It might be. It could be that that's your purpose, that that's what God made you to do. Maybe you make the best daggum cup of coffee any of us have ever had, and that's great. But what we do believe is that it's God's purpose for you to serve people, to serve people. And so by getting on the dream team, you're igniting a piece of your purpose. You're serving the people that are coming in here. You're serving our community. You're serving alongside the body of Christ, learning what you're gifted in and what they're gifted in and how those things work together and align. And as you begin to practice that and work through that, God will start to wake something up inside of you. He'll lead you to more. What you'll find out is that he will start to awaken a bigger purpose inside of you. And that's our goal. Our goal isn't just to fill volunteer spaces. It never has been. It never will be. Our goal is for you to discover your purpose, to know your why, to know what you were put on this earth to do, and to feel whole because you are doing it. And so start today. Start by joining the dream team, serving kids, or on our campus support team, setting all this up and tearing it down. Make coffee. Greet somebody. Share your musical talents on stage. Whatever you can do, do it. And together as a body, we will serve our purpose together. We will discover even greater purpose still. And we will make a difference in this city. If you're in here today and you've never entered into a relationship with Jesus, it is as simple as saying yes. It is as simple as accepting the gift that's been offered to you. And so if you're ready to start that journey, to start the journey of learning how he made you, who he made you to be, finding freedom, learn what your purpose is. If you're ready to begin it, then you can do it right now. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You just say this prayer with me and make this commitment. Heavenly Father, thank you for making me the way that you made me. I believe that you have a dream for me. Forgive me for my sin. Forgive me for trying to do it on my own. I just 
from this moment forward, I just want to do it with you. Everything that I am, I am yours. In Jesus' name, amen.